It's from Proverbs chapters 3 and 30. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For, days, for length of days and years of life and abundant welfare they will give you. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. Honour the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My child, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves the one he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. Thus said the man, I am weary, O God, I am weary, O God, how can I prevail? Surely I am too stupid to be human. I do not have human understanding. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I, have I knowledge of the Holy Ones who has ascended to heaven and come down. Who has gathered the wind in the hollow of the land? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is the person's name? And what is the name of the person's child? Surely you know. In the name of God, who is our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. Learning to be wise. This is the second of our five-week exploration of the book of Proverbs. To recap from last week, these are some of the things that we learned. Proverbs is a compilation of ancient writings from uh, several different authors. It forms part of the genre of wisdom literature in the Old Testament, along with Job, Ecclesiastes, some of the Psalms, and some other writings. Last week, we also learned that wisdom matters. It is invaluable. Wisdom is prudence, that is, understanding how things really are. Wisdom is insight, understanding how things really work. And wisdom is dynamic. Things don't stay the same. For me, these factors settle the question about whether Proverbs is relevant for us today in our world where critical thinking, the one-liners and the quick fixes do not adequately paint the full picture or tell the whole story. Wisdom literature wrestles with some of life's big questions and seemingly enduring questions like why do good people suffer? And why do evil people seem to prosper? As well as encountering the ordinary, everyday conundrums of life. How can we learn the wisdom needed to consider such questions? Well, let's assume that we are enrolled in the school of life, the Proverbs School of Life, like the child or young person to whom the first eight chapters of Proverbs are addressed. But keep in mind, this will be the 21st century Australian campus of the School of Life. 
where patterns of family, civic, cultural, and religious life do differ from the ancient Middle East. Yet, we connect closely, don't we, with emotions of fear, contentment, anger, envy, despondency, and joy. We also identify with the desire to live well, to have length of days, years of life, and abundant welfare. So to learn to be wise, let's see what this Proverbs School of Life has to offer. <clears throat> Firstly, let me introduce you to the head teacher. The head teacher is the renowned author and creator of life itself. The one who transcends time and place. One of her names is Wisdom, and another is the Lord. Transcending time and place, wisdom is generously and faithfully available to encourage us wherever we find ourselves. 24-7 life coaching and pastoral care is complementary in this Proverbs School of Life and available for each and every student without partiality. So is gentle correction and the opportunity to learn wisdom. While turning up every day is an expectation, now and again we do need time out to reflect and to heal and to be refreshed. We heard that in Proverbs 3. However, we don't need to call the absentee line because the Lord knows where we're at. Learning to be wise needs quiet time too. Now, in case you're wondering, yes, there is a curriculum and this curriculum is called Life in All Its Fullness, or the Abundant or Flourishing Life. And the criteria by which our learning is assessed is guided by the Great Commandments. How have we loved God? How have we loved our neighbor? Have we done justice and loved mercy and walked humbly with God? The Lord is aware that sometimes our neighbor is very difficult to love and provides the gift of grace to nurture and strengthen us to do the best we can. So learning wisdom includes the understanding that achieving straight A's in life, in our own strength, is neither possible and nor is it the aim. Our insight will always be incomplete. Trusting the Lord with our whole heart means our desires are oriented towards God's ways, acknowledging God's love and faithfulness at every turn. I wonder, where do you need to reorientate your desires? Where do I need to? And where is God's love and faithfulness most evident in your life at the moment? In the school of life, assignments are often handed out at short notice and often without specific instructions. These are good times to put prudence and insight 
loyalty and faithfulness, trust and generosity to work. A warning, many assignments involve group work, the dreaded group work. So be prepared to work with others. However, other assignments you will get to complete working alone. Since wisdom is dynamic, imagination and creativity are fundamental to learning wisdom. Adopting a growth mindset allows us to bounce back and to learn from mistakes and disappointments. Are there tests, I hear you ask? Well, yes, there are, and we encountered one in chapter three. It's a really difficult test, and it's one that we can't really escape. In verses 9 and 10, we were offered a vision of the experience of success and prosperity, of barns bursting, and of wine, and of an abundance of good things. It can easily look, at first reading, that honouring God naturally brings prosperity. But I wonder how many of us could say that's actually how it panned out in life. In verses 11 and 12, we're presented with a complete disconnect because it speaks of the inevitability of pain and suggests that God's discipline can sometimes appear painful, feel painful. So here is the test. We will experience everything, success and suffering, things going our way and things not going our way. It's always spiritually dangerous to prosper and to suffer because suffering and success bring out stuff that we didn't know was there. Have you noticed that? Accepting and embracing and building on new insight, repenting and changing helps us to become wiser. In fact, it's difficult to gain wisdom without listening to critique. It's never comfortable, but it's the way that we learn And it's the way that we can learn through suffering so that suffering doesn't produce bitterness or anxiety or pride. What's the alternative? Well, the alternative is that we can blame others or deny or suppress what's really going on, in which case the problem won't be resolved. Both adversity and success surprise us. Sometimes they just pop up out of nowhere And they're like spontaneous tutorials in wisdom, and they happen every day. When we encounter them, will we become wiser or more foolish? These seem to be the two outcomes that Proverbs offers us. And when these surprising pop-up tutorials happen, who are our tutors? Well, our tutors are the people that we do life with our family and our friends, our colleagues and our neighbours, our worshipping community, the podcasters we listen to, the authors we read, the entertainers we follow. So we certainly do have some choice about who shapes our learning and the way that we grow in wisdom. I know I'm grateful for the godly wisdom of friends and family and colleagues who love me enough to offer constructive insight where mine is lacking on a fairly frequent basis and who offer wise counsel when I'm navigating my way through important decision-making. 
I'm wondering whether you've read Bowen's blog this week. He brilliantly describes the nature of the wise mind. He says, the wise mind provides the balance between the rational, logical, thinking mind and the feeling, visceral way of experiencing the world. That is, information and facts are really important in becoming wise, but so are our gut feelings and our, and our heart response and our conscience. These God-given capacities help us to learn and to exercise wisdom as we make decisions and make choices. The wise mind is open to receiving instruction and allowing learning to happen. Perhaps this is close to what Proverbs refers to as the heart. We'll just touch on that, on that again in a moment. While I'm not an educator, I have served in a range of um, roles in schools over the last few decades that's fostered a keen interest in what forms a learning culture, especially in Anglican schools. The question, how do we learn wisdom, is a really important one for Christian schools and for our church communities. James K.A. Smith aptly says, we are not brains on sticks. When a person is perceived as an integrated whole, education of their mind intentionally engages heart and soul and hands for the purpose of being in the world in a way that enriches and, and gives and contributes a greater good. In our reading from Proverbs chapter 3, listen to the language used for the place where learning happens. Let your heart keep my commandments. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The form of the Hebrew word used for heart is widely used to imply that sense of the feelings that we have, our will and our intellect, and so the sense of the center of something. That sounds like the wise mind. Anglican schools have done great work in recent years to value wisdom when educating young people in a distinctively Christian way, and I think from that perspective have a wonderful contribution to make to our world. The way they've done this is firstly by affirming that indeed wisdom does matter, and secondly by affirming the holistic nature of a human person, of, the young, of young people who are being created in the image of God. Wisdom helps us understand that God can't be divided. God's way of being is wholly integrated. God is completely loving while being completely faithful. God is fully wise while being fully forgiven, forgiving. God is, God's wisdom is expressed in love and God's way of loving is saturated in wisdom. The Church of England Vision for Education that was published a few years ago is an example of how schools can aspire to be deeply Christian and to serve the common good by equipping young people to be competent with regard to the realities of life. Last week we heard that was a definition of wisdom, to be competent with regard to the realities of life. There are four elements that provide the ecosystem or the DNA that enable Church of England schools to educate for life in all its fullness. 
There's wisdom. There's hope. There's community. And there's dignity and respect. When these elements are present, it is possible to wrestle with life's big questions safely, authentically. We heard some big questions when Dawn read to us from Proverbs chapter 30. These words are attributed to Agur, who was probably an Arabic wisdom teacher. Agur's saying reflects some of the questions that a wise education framework will allow to be expressed. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in the hollow of the hand? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is the person's name? And what is the name of the person's child? While there are many ways in which human beings and communities fail one another, and there is always cause for lament when this happens, we need not despair. We can have hope in God and God's wisdom to provide opportunities for reconciliation and transformation so that we can live together as healthy community and to do good in the world. The wisdom literature encourages questioning, intelligent and wise faith through imaginative and daring exploration of who God is and who we can be. When Jesus spent time with people, he developed a community of learners who were encouraged to ask challenging questions, and they did, and to be open then to the transformational engage, engagement with Jesus' responses. The Apostle Paul describes Christ as the wisdom of God in his first letter to the Corinthians. I was with some primary students at Coomera Anglican College a few days ago and I had the opportunity to ask them, what is wisdom? Well, I think you'll be encouraged by their answers. They said, wisdom is wonder. They said, wisdom is knowing how things really work. So I can only assume they all watch Stuart's, listen to Stuart's sermon during the week. They said, wisdom is listening well. It's looking below the surface. They also said this, which I quite liked. Wisdom, when we get old, we know lots of things. <laughs> Wisdom calls to us at the town center. It calls to us at the football ground. It calls to us when we're over at the beach or in the mountain. Wisdom calls to us in our homes, where we work, where we spend time with family. And wisdom calls to us here, week by week, as we faithfully gather wherever we are as the body of Christ. And so I'm going to close to share with you how we can share God's wisdom, how we can help to make God's wisdom possible for others for others who are looking for hope and community and dignity and respect. I'm going to read from a book called Worship in an Age of Mission. When we gather, God places a waterhole for all creation, 
a water hole large enough to drench any desert in history, deep enough to survive any drought, wide enough that all might gather to drink, to wade in the waters, to be pulled under and brought to the surface, revived from the heat of any day. Through the clear and strong witness of all that we proclaim when we gather to worship, God springs forth fresh waters. The fountainhead for these waters without price is the gathering itself. It is to these waters that the church in every age calls others, crying throughout the marketplaces and village streets. This is wisdom vending grace. Here is freedom. Here is a way to pray that will not falter. Here is a spirit we do not make ourselves and that does not perish. Here is meaning that does not disintegrate amid the toxins of our lives. Here is one who meets us by the waters when we arrive thirsty or curious or ready to draw for ourselves. Here is one who knows us and teaches us to worship in truth. Here is one who teaches us new meanings to old words, as if we were the ancient Samaritan woman coming to draw what we think we understand, only to be surprised. Amen.